as we're having a seat, our children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church, but let's sit in this moment for a, for a bit. Let's sit before the Waymaker. Just bow your head, close your eyes, meditate on Him. Speak to Him. you are good your mercy endures forever we would be consumed were it not for your mercy we would be consumed upon our grief our greed our gluttony We would be consumed upon our hate, our rage, our violence. We would be consumed of our depression and despair, despondency. We would be consumed and yet we would masquerade as though we were not. Mm. Lord, we thank you that you bring us true hope, a deep soul healing. Lord, we, we thank you for what you offer us each and every day by way of your mercy. And Lord, we thank you that we have a hope. As Paul says, that all the suffering of this present will not compare to the glory of that which is awaiting us. Fix our eyes upon you and upon our hope that our way is not just a way through this season right now, but our way is on a journey to an inheritance that is incorruptible and that fades not away. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together. We pray our worship has been pleasing to you. I pray over these next few minutes that you will be with me, that you'll speak not only to me, but through me. Uh, Lord, I pray that I would receive that you have for me, that we would receive that which you have for us. I pray and I ask that everything that we say will be good and equipping and encouraging and that helping us onto love and to good works, Lord. Be good for us and it bring you great honor and glory. I pray these things in the mighty resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Um, so, my three boys uh, love to interrupt our conversations. I don't know if y'all have um, experiences with children, but children don't always seem to read the room. 
Um, you can be right in the middle of a statement and a child will just walk up and just start talking. Like, you know, no big deal. Um, and this happens all the time. And, um, and, and our oldest, of course, Asher, if you've ever had a conversation with Asher, it's a blessed event to have a conversation with Asher. He's brilliant and he's thoughtful. He's so curious and, 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 and always has great questions. And, um, and really, like all, almost all of my friends, um, they, they're like, uh, they love all my boys, but they're like, uh, you know, like we like having conversations with Asher. It's pretty cool. Well, the thing about that is, is um, Asher still doesn't know that he's 11. And so he, um, so he acts like he's like, you know, 25 sometimes. And, and he wants to be part of all the conversation. And so many times, so many times uh, he, he comes in and he interjects something or he hears something and then he'll begin to speak on it. And we're like, no, no, no. No, no, <laughs> this is not your time. This is not your space. This is an adult conversation. And we kind of shoo him away and we shoo the other kids away. And I think about like me being a child and I can't, I can only remember how many times, brother Ron, how many times did I interrupt conversations that y'all are having around the 42 table, right? You know, um, brother Steve, you were there. Y'all, y'all know um, my dad's favorite statement was children are best seen. And anybody know how this goes? Right and not heard, right, um, and uh, and and so like uh, I, I just think about this like we have to like shoo our kids away a lot. I was shooed away a lot as a kid, and and now I like look back at it. I'm like, man, I was insufferable. Uh, like I I get it, mom and dad. Uh, I understand why you were just like, just no, like we can't have it. But I've been thinking about that recently. And it struck me like a few weeks ago. It's just been kind of this pervasive like thought that just kind of it has been in my heart, my mind. But but I think about like how common this is to us. Like we are used to being able to to, to tell children, hey, you just need to go and you need to go do your thing. Like we're we're taking care of some stuff here, and <clears throat> and we don't even think about it. It's not it's not an issue, you know. Other than it just being kind of perturbing um it's not like really like this this big issue and 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 why i bring that up is because um there's this moment in the gospels um matthew mark and luke all record this moment and they almost all say it verbatim when these parents are trying to bring their children and not just their children not like well like we're thinking like toddlers are younger probably but they're trying to bring their children to Jesus so that Jesus can pray over them and Jesus can bless their children and the disciples shoo them away. And, uh, and the text tells us uh, in the King's English, it says, this displeased the Lord. And you can read that like, Jesus was so displeased by this, you know, like, but there's, there's other translations that say this made Jesus angry. It made him angry. It's there, Mark 10, 13, verse 15. We can read it right quick. It says, they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. This word rebuke here is not a light word. It's a, it's a heavy word. It, it, it's, it's Jesus used it whenever he rebuked the winds and the seas. And he said, peace, calm down, be still. Your authoritative agent is speaking to you. You better listen. It's also the same word that Peter used when Jesus said that he was going to go to the cross in Mark 8 and and, and Peter rebukes him. 
Jesus saw them. He was, uh, or the disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. He was angry. Maybe, maybe angry shouldn't be so much the term that we attach just to like rage. Maybe we should attach anger to grief a little bit here. And think about this, a lot of times like in scripture, like we see the wrath of God and we see all these things that come up, but, but I go all the way back to the story where we have in Genesis where it's describing Noah and the days of Noah. And it says, it repented the Lord that he had made man and it grieved him. I think so many times when we think about God's anger or his wrath, we just think like a hot temper but it's attached and it should be associated with his grief over what we're doing to one another. And so Jesus isn't just, I'm so mad at you. You don't get it. It's, oh, guys, stop pushing people away. And Jesus says, suffer the little children or allow the little children to come to me and forbid them not. He says, for of such is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God is made up of. He says, truly, I say unto you, verily, I say unto you. It's like an oath statement. It's like, a, like, like this, you need to pay attention here. Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. There's a couple of reasons why I wanted to tell this story about my boys and how, how it's, I've made this association with this text. Uh, this morning, uh, first of all, is this, is, 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 is I want us to remember the good news for you and me. I want us to remember the good news for you and me is that, that you know, uh, God's grace has come to us and welcomed, um, welcomed us to him, uh, not because there's anything that we brought, but be, because we're helpless. We're helpless otherwise. And he receives us and he loves us and he's good for us. And so I want us to think about that. We're the little children in the story. We're the infants who can't walk there and we had to be carried there. And we've been placed in the lap of Jesus and Jesus has blessed us. So I want us to think about that just so that we can worship and honor and celebrate God's goodness. The, the second reason is this. We've been talking about seizing opportunities over the last couple months, and we're, we're gonna conclude our, our talks here because you know next week we have, think, is the beginning of Thanksgiving week. We're gonna do the Lord's Supper, and then we're gonna get into uh, you know, Advent, and we want, to, we want to teach around all that. So, so today, what I wanted to do is kind of like look at one of our opportunities, a couple of our opportunities in particular that we really want to begin to um, you know, say, hey, here's what our capacity is. Here's how we're gonna maximize our capacity um, for, for this opportunity, and it has to do with our children's ministry and what we're able to do for our children. I think specifically about like our children's church and just that there's opportunities there. And, and we've been, everybody's been kind of processing what's my capacity, how can I participate in, in various things. And so, and so even like we want people to uh, examine, hey, do I have the capacity, if I've done children's church before, do I have the capacity to continue doing it? 
Um, if I've never done children's church, I've never acted as a facilitator, do I have the capacity to do it? Or maybe there's some other ways that you can come alongside. Uh, I was just talking to Miss um, Gwen Ficken and, um, and she said, hey, are we doing a children's Christmas thing? I was like, you know what? Nobody's really talked about that. And, and if y'all wanna know anything that gets Friends with Baptist Church filled and over capacity, it's you do something with kids. You have a children's Christmas program and everybody piles in here and, uh, and it's always like a fun time and a sweet time and, and, and it's a good opportunity for children to kind of be discipled in, 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 in a unique way, right? They're not just sitting down, right? They're participating, they're active, it's fun. But um, so just think about things like that. So, so as I talk this morning, one of the things that I want you to maybe be considering is, is this somewhere where the Lord wants to use me and, and, and provide an opportunity for me to kind of plug in and to help disciple our, our children? Um, and, and we'll actually, we'll have these things, they're called sign-up sheets, um, we've, we've used them before. Y'all not used them. We've made them. Uh, we set them out there, um, but, uh, but, uh, but, but we are going to invite you to use them. Um, and, uh, and, and if this is something that you're just interested in, uh, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about some practical things around it. But so that's what we're going to do. Those are the two primary purposes of the message today. And so let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. You're the infant on the lap of Jesus. What, what does it mean whenever Jesus says that the kingdom of God is, it consists of infants and babies and toddlers, young children? What does it mean when Jesus says, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a child? We need to be cautious here because one of the things that people have often said is, oh, you know, children are so innocent and they're pure. Is that the gospel? Is the gospel that you and I are innocent and pure and that's why we get the kingdom? Nay. And that's not the gospel. <laughs> that's not the gospel at all. I'll just read this quote because I think he puts it better than I could. This is James Edwards, uh, commentator, scholar, commentator. He said, in this story, children are not blessed for their virtues, but for what they lack. They come only as they are. They're small. They're powerless. They're without sophistication. And in their day and time, they were the overlooked and overlooked and dispossessed of society. This is something that you have to understand culturally, though, too, because for us, we 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 our lives are centered on children, not just parents, grandparents. Y'all know this, right? So much of your schedule is okay. Well, where are the grandkids playing at today, and uh, where do they need to be? And 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 we live in a like really it's cool and it's also kind of crazy but um but but the generation who are grandparents today y'all did not get the help that you give your children and your grandchildren y'all are an amazing generation and kind of like plugging back in what i think is really cool and i was talking to somebody uh, about this a few weeks ago and it just kind of was a riff but it came out and it was like oh that's neat is 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 how much we're getting back into this like really intergenerational 
connection. Because for most of history, you didn't have mom and dad and their family and they go and they, they go away. They, they were all part of like an insula or like a common living scenario where you would have multiple generations of family there. And plugging into the next generation. Oh my goodness, there we go again, mama. But in their society, the children weren't valued until they could bring value. Now, this might not have been so true for Jewish society. Sometimes what happens is we look at, we look at the Greco-Roman world and the larger uh, uh, context, and we forget that Jews maintained a unique identity even in the midst of Hellenized Greek culture. And so sometimes we, well, like, if you know this, it was, it was okay for Roman citizens to leave children out to be, to call this thing called exposure. Say they had a girl and they wanted a boy. Say their child came out deformed. They would go leave these children on the trash heap. Wild animals could come to them, the sun could bake them. In fact, what's really kind of cool is, is that it's early, Christian, early Christians, or early disciples of Jesus who, um, you know, uh, they would have liked the legislation to be changed, but the legislation wasn't changed. And they weren't in the position of, of authority and influence to get that legislation changed. So what they did was they went and they rescued those babies off the trash heaps. They loved them and they cared for them, these discarded children. Maybe some of you, that's how you feel about your relationship with Jesus. You weren't just brought there by your grandma and your parents, and it wasn't this generational thing, but you were rescued off the trash heap. However it is, you are a little child. You, we are the ones who come, who come as the dispossessed and the overlooked, the small, the powerless, here, he continues on with this quote. He says, to receive the kingdom of God as a child is to receive it as one who has no credits, no clout, no claims. A little child has absolutely nothing to bring. And whatever a child receives, he or she receives by grace on the basis of sheer neediness rather than by any merit inherent in him or herself. And he concludes saying, little children are the paradigmatic disciples for only empty hands can be filled. Only empty hands can be filled. It's a reminder today that you did not enter into your faith with full hands. And I say that because you are not kept in faith by full hands. Each and every day, we wake up and we acknowledge that this is grace. It is a gift. We've been brought to Jesus. We've been brought to our Lord. And he's received us. He's received you and he received me when we had nothing to bring him. Now that we do have something to bring him, here's what we need to remember. 
Because we have grown, we've matured. Now we can walk, we aren't stuck, toddling around. Now we can actually stand in our faith. We are established in our faith. James talks about this. Hey, he talks about like those of us who've, who've received uh, um, God's grace and his goodness and his mercy, we can, we can rejoice in diverse t- trials and temptations because we know that they build us up, mature us and equip us and they make us more complete. So you and I who have something to bring, we have to remember even though we have something to bring, it doesn't get us more grace. You don't get more grace the more stuff. And this is important because sometimes what happens in the life of faith is we started out with nothing in our hands. Now we have some substance. We can bring something to the table and we fail to forget that what we have to bring to the table is not in service of us getting more grace. What we have to bring to the table is us bringing grace into this world. We bring honor to God. We bring his goodness to others. And this is important because the enemy, the enemy wants to puff us up with pride. The enemy wants us to stop saying, Oh my goodness, now that I have something to give, I can give it. The enemy wants us to say, look at how much I have to give. Am I something or what? And let me just tell you, you are something. You are something, but let somebody else tell you that you're something. Let God speak to you and say, you are something to me. I love you. And you're not something because you have something to bring. You're something simply because you're mine. And here's the thing. You don't get to become his only after you trust Jesus. The reality is, is every last person who has lived, breathed, who will live or breathe is a creation of God. They are his. He loves them. He wants their rescue and their restoration. That is what he so desires. Scripture, I can stand on scripture. It says, because it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should be restored in repentance, right? So, my brothers and my sisters, let's receive this good word today. And as we do, now let's think about our next purpose here. We have the opportunity for these children to know this love of God and to grow in their knowledge and their understanding and their service and their worship. They have the opportunity and we have the opportunity to help them. And right now as a church, one of the primary ways that we have to uh, love our children and let them know the love of God practically. As we meet and as we gather, I'm not talking about anything that you do in your own homes or whatever, but what we can do as a church is, for one, we have a nursery where there's these babies who sometimes scream their head off. And moms are in here and they're anxious because they hear their baby screaming their head off. And you can be one of the ones who goes and comforts that baby. And when you do this, let's, you get to show that baby that they're loved. They're loved by their mom and dad, yeah, but they're loved by a bigger community. 
They are loved by a bigger community. But you also get to do this. You get to be in service of this mom whenever she stops hearing her baby scream and her heart can settle and she could worship God with her brothers and sisters. Moms, y'all know that anxiety that I'm talking about? You know why I say moms feel that anxiety? Because dads, we don't have it. We do not have that anxiety. If you are a dad who has that anxiety, I want to talk to you. I want to learn it because here's the deal. So many times, things are just popping off all over the place in our house and she's looking at me. She's going, are you not going crazy? And I'm like, no, they're kids and they're being kids. And she's like, that's not a good answer. (laughs) I don't understand that. Here's the other thing, though, is we think about our children's church. And, and, and we talked about this a, a while back when we had to do a transition, but, but some of these things haven't really fully been um, brought, into, uh, brought into full scope. But, but here's what it looks like when we think about serving in the nursery or think about serving in children's church is, for one, we want a team of people who will do this so that it doesn't fall on a few people who have to do it every other week. We like people to have, get to do it. It's an opportunity that they get to provide, uh, you know, uh, maybe once a month, maybe once every couple of months. I was thinking about this. Some of y'all might not be able to do it on a regular basis because of your schedule and because you know this, but you could say, hey, you know what? These four dates throughout the year, I could do it those four dates. But that's part of it is uh, I want y'all to understand it's not like you're signing up and every week we go, okay, we'll see y'all. Y'all go have fun with the kids. We don't want that to be the case. We want it to be a shared responsibility. But here's what I, I want us to see is, is we have this opportunity in, in our children's church. Our curriculum is awesome. Uh, it's a written, it's called One Story Curriculum. It's written um, out of this church in, uh, in, in Canada. Um, it, it has like Anabaptist roots, this church does, but I just love that they, uh, they have uh, great creative ways of teaching the text and they have great video lessons. And so, so when somebody facilitates, you don't even have to teach the lesson. You get the, somebody teaching the lesson on the video and what you do as facilitator is you engage in conversation with the kids and you help make sure that they're, they're understanding the concepts and the things that were, were taught there. And, and so we have this like really great curriculum. We have this great opportunity but, but, but there's things that are just like not there that, that we could develop a little bit more fully. For one, like we, we want the space to not look like a cold um, hospital room uh, or hospital hall. And if y'all go back there sometimes, it looks like a hospital hall, doesn't it? You're just walking down a hospital hall. And we want to be able to take this space and, and beautify it and, and, and bring in some like textures and colors and warmth and, and just let this space be something like we come into this room and we, we put time, effort, energy into what this room looked like. And if y'all didn't know before, it used to have blood red carpet. And there were blonde pews with mustard yellow or mustard orange, however you want to, mustard yellow seats. Slick. You just walked in and you're like, there shall be showers of blessings. Oh, that today they might fall. Right? You just knew you were woof, like you were embraced. And here's the deal. That doesn't stop us from being able to worship. But whenever it became an opportunity that, that the church could come together and we could, we could remodel the sanctuary, people put time, energy, and effort and thought. They said, you know what? A deep, mauve, beautiful carpet. And these, these seats with this beautiful floral print. And you know what? When people walk into our church, a lot of times they go, it feels like a church in here. And 
It's cool. And there's some churches that don't want to feel like a church. And that's their prerogative. But we, it was designed with intention and purpose. And here's the thing. Sometimes whenever it comes to the kids, we just go, well, we'll just throw them in a room. But if we gave their space some love and care, a few years ago, Miss Wanda and Miss Lola, uh, they, 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 they put together our nurseries, and I can't tell you how many people come into our church and they look at our nurseries and they're like, this is beautiful. And so we want to be able to do that kind of thing. Here's another thing that I think that we can do and an opportunity that, that's there is this, this could be an opportunity for people to connect, <clears throat> like for our facilitators, to connect with other families and with parents about discipleship and their children. And what I mean by that is a lot of times what happens on children's churches, kids gather back there, they have this lesson, and then they go home, and there's no interaction, there's no communication between facilitators and families throughout the week. And I think there's some opportunities where we could bring everybody together a little bit more on that. Uh, The, uh, another just thought process is this. And this is something that we have to understand. <coughs> some weeks we're going to have 15, 20 kids back there. And some, kids we're gonna, well, some weeks we're going to have three kids back there. We're probably, I don't want us to think, oh, if we do this opportunity, we're going to gain all these families. We're, we live in a very different world today. But what makes it important that we have this connection with families beyond them just dropping off their kid, us babysitting them for 45 minutes and then sending them on their way is because we won't get to see them every week. But if we can interact with them every week, we can know what's going on in their world, how we can love them, how we can serve them. And so I think it's really important that, that we seize this opportunity that says it's not just about them showing up for 45 minutes on Sunday. And all of y'all are scoffing about the 45 minutes. They're like, Macaulay, you've never let it be 45 minutes. And so I'm just going to tell you right now, these are some opportunities that I see. And this is what we want to know. As you've prayed, do you have the capacity to help serve into, like, we have a capacity here. We know it. We have the space, and we have people who are already doing this. How can we maximize our capacity? How can we develop this more fully? And, and, and here's what I would say. Let's just start here. And if there's another program that we want to do or, 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 or another age group that we want to do, that's fine. We can do that later, but let's maximize our capacity here. This is an opportunity that we have. We don't have to go chase another opportunity down. We have it here. And of course, we know this. We know this. We know that this is one of those things that Jesus, even in this story, calls us to do. Not only are we the babes who sit in his lap, but as we have matured and as we have developed as disciples, we are to be the ones who are leading the babes to Jesus' lap. And this is a way that we can participate in 
in his grace, in discipleship. Um, And so, my brothers and my sisters, uh, let's consider the opportunity that's before us. If it's for you, amen, praise the Lord. Uh, I, I will say this word of caution, just because I preach this like with some uh, intensity and conviction, uh, don't be guilted into it. That's not the purpose here. If you have no desire and you have no patience to be with little children, don't do it. We don't need you ruining their discipleship. You're not gonna get points. Again, and this is one of those things, is this something that God has filled your hand with that now you can give it? And if you give it, it's not for you. It's not for you to get points. It's not for you to look good. It's not for a gold star. It's not for a jewel in my crown. No, 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 no. No, no. No, it's, it's for their sake. It's for their sake. That's for the sake of honoring our Father who is in heaven, his Son, and his Holy Spirit. And with that, I will finally say, amen. There will be sign-up sheets in the back. If you have any further questions before you sign up, talk to me. You can talk to Miss Angie. Uh, uh, we would probably be two uh, uh, good Points of contact. Miss Kim Rangel has, and Brother Paul, they've served there. You can talk to them and say, hey, what's it like? Can I do it? And they'll go, it's crazy and you don't want to. Get out of here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, okay? Lord, I love you.